1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen. And I'm here today with our guests, Trent and Dame. And today we are talking to you all about the very new paperclip DAO with all these trades that are happening on Twitter, as I'm sure all of you have seen, you're probably wondering, what is this all about? Like, why are people talking about paperclips? Why Why, did, are, why am I seeing paperclips everywhere? We're going to break it all down for you. Uh, so welcome, Trent and Dame. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Hey, good to be here. Yeah, very excited.
1: Awesome. So before we dive into Paperclip Dow, I would love to have the listeners understand a little bit more about your background and some of the projects that you're working on right now, so they know who they're listening to. So Trent, do you want to kick us off and just give us a little background into like how you got into crypto in the first place and then some of the things that you're working on now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was an art history major in college and then did some advertising. So I've always loved like being at kind of the intersection of like the economic transactional layer of society and like the cultural layer of society. And like that intersection, has always been, been really fun to play in. Um, I got into crypto very early 2019, just when compound and DYDX were coming onto the scene. Um, my brother Brock, who's a fantastic engineer, we started to build out some concepts around yield aggregation in those very early days, um, kind of ended up moving to some more MEV type strategies, just doing weird hacky stuff around, you know, liquidations, arbitrage, other random, uh, random stuff like that. In August of 2020, uh, we got together with Will Price, Dan Elzer, and Clinton Bembury, and did a Algo stablecoin called Yam um, that was quite the adventure. Kind of worked on that, building up the community, product contributors um, for about six, seven months before starting to scale back my time. As I was searching for something to, new to do in the space, potentially moving away from DeFi, the NFTs... Right at the start of this year, just totally captured my my attention and love. Obviously, um, some of my background in in art was uh, was um, attracted there, and so I just went deep down the rabbit hole. Um, kind of in the spring of this year, I uh, was talking with uh, two of my now co founders, Maria Paula um, and Sam Spike. Uh, who are also deep in the in the art game and specifically the digital art game, and we came up with this idea for uh, JPEG protocol, which is a on chain NFT curation protocol. So really trying to. Um, foster more cultural infrastructure for the space with this permissionless protocol that allows curators to come on and create curated exhibitions of kind of any NFTs that they, that they would like, um, which, you know, as we'll get into with paperclip now, I think there's some really interesting elements of like the cultural narratives that are associated with these, um, with these various projects that have been around since, you know, the archeological 2017 days, all the way up to kind of the proliferation we're seeing now, um, And so I really think something like Paperclip that is helping to promote those stories and that that kind of like more cultural context is is something really, uh, really important for the space.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I cannot wait to get your take on all of the trades and especially like with your art history background. This is going to be this is going to be amazing. Um, And then Dame, what about you? How did you get into crypto? And then what has your journey been like so far?
2: Yeah, um, I sort of been observing crypto for probably like, you know ten years now, ever since Bitcoin came on the scene, but never got involved in it. Just watched the headlines and followed along with it. Um, never was something that I felt like I would ever get into because it didn't look like there were people like me in that space, and I was just like, that's not for me. But I started diving more into it and doing a lot of research over the past like twenty four months, and. Um, changed my mind about a lot of it once I saw like the actual potential of what was going on here and sort of dove past all the media headlines and um, I, I've i been working in tech for uh, seven or eight years now and I sort of got I don't know burnt out on the traditional tech world and just didn't like the direction it was heading and so this year when I, I quit my traditional tech job and started deciding what I wanted to do next and Web three just really excited me and felt like it was something I could be a part of and actually like build a stronger future for like the tech world. So that's what got me into it. It was much more for the the tech and the you know the culture than the money, but I, the money's great too though.
1: <laughs> cool. So we actually have pretty similar backgrounds. We sort of got into the space you know within the last year or so, but it sounds like you've been observing it from a distance a lot longer than I have. Cool. So let's go ahead and dive into Paperclip Dow. This is something that has been blowing up on Twitter. I don't want to say the whole internet, but at least Twitter. (laughs) Maybe soon, maybe soon. And so this all started with, uh, if you guys remember, this guy called Kyle McDonald back in like 2005 or something, or yeah, 2005, like wrote a, a blog post about this experiment he was doing where he started with a red paper clip and then he kept trading it for bigger and better things until he ultimately got a house basically for free, like from this red paper clip. So Matt Stevenson, who you all heard on the podcast in the past, he was on an episode uh, 62. He had this brilliant idea of basically replicating that experiment in an on-chain way. And so Dame, do you want to give us a little bit more background on what Paperclip DAO is and like what this whole experiment is about?
2: yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it's definitely very, very similar to the original experiment from back in two thousand and five. Our goal is like doing the same basic thing, but with nfts and probably trading up to something a lot higher than a house. Um, the first round of our trades, like we it, this thing was put together really quickly in some ways. Like I've only been involved in it about a week now, but so much has happened within that short span of time. Um, we did our first trade last night, and, I'm pretty certain that like the thing we traded for, like probably if not now or in the future, is probably going to be worth multiple houses. So we sort of already started with a house, um, but we've got really big goals of like the the final NFT that we're trying to eventually hit. Um, and so we, yeah, we're starting our trades and we're gonna try to be doing a trade, you know, every few days and see how long it takes
0: us to get to something really big. Well, it was it was really funny seeing Matt's tweet that was like the joking one of two hundred and fifteen thread that was basically like if you extrapolate out uh the, like expected value of this thing like you can basically already trade it for the house right now and you like actually kind of saw that happen in the the tweet replies submitting trades of like the very early people like submitting some like random low value things and then like Very quickly, like more and more value started flowing into the comments. Um, It was it was really hilarious to see. It seems like a lot of people in the space intuitively
2: understood the significance of it. And we didn't have to, like, really over explain it at all. Like when we tweeted it out, we barely said anything. And immediately people started just offering stuff up.
1: Yeah, it was for sure wild to watch um, because everybody was posting their trades in the Twitter thread. And so everybody could see it and follow along. And it was like there were so many moments that were like just mind blowing, like, holy crap, I can't believe somebody traded this for the paperclip. And then, you know, like two hours later, it would be like another like, oh, my God, I can't believe somebody offered this sort of (laughs) moment. entire collection. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we'll get into that. Uh, quick question before we dive into all the different trades that we got is, so how does this trading work on chain, like on the back end?
2: Yeah, I mean, so uh, on a simple level, it's essentially all the members of the DAO, we're all on a uh, multi-signature wallet. So all of our like individual wallets are tied to this multi-sig. And anytime we want to make a trade, the NFT that we currently hold is in this multi-signature wallet. And... When we want to initiate the trade, we usually talk amongst ourselves in the back channel before we initiate it. But then as soon as you initiate the trade, at least five of the 10 people, five of the 10 or four of the 10 people have to confirm that they want to do the trade. And then if there is that enough consensus, then it happens immediately. Like it just immediately within seconds swaps the two NFTs between the trader's wallet and our wallet and then it's done. And, you know, there's, I guess, I mean, forever, there's going to be a, tra- a history of that on the chain.
1: Yeah. And I have to say, and full disclosure, I am part of this DAO as well. But just bringing on some other members to chat about it, I have to say, this is my first time using Gnosis and like just figuring out how all of that worked. And uh, the process was like surprisingly intuitive. I thought I was going to have to to like do a lot of learning to like make it work but you just you sort of just connect your wallet you log in it's already there i mean of course other members of the team like got everything set up so there was work to be done um but all i bless, had to do bless Matt. <laughs> yeah all i had to do was just connect my wallet and then choose my like vote on what i wanted and then click submit and that was it so it's pretty straightforward yeah it
2: was like on-chain voting it was really cool
1: yeah, it was super cool. A lot easier than driving to like wherever that Kyle <laughs> McDonald guy, tri- did Any he drive like all across the U.S. and Canada yeah, to like make that. these trades? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we also got to call out Zero Mons and PseudoSwap because I think this is such a cool piece of tech that like also I know they've been doing some various trades. I think this is such an interesting use case for the PseudoSwap tech and like I knew that there was something there, but uh, I like hadn't really quite figured out how it was gonna, you know, make sense as a as a technology that was gonna be used in, you know, in interesting ways. It's
2: cool that there's so many like projects and protocols right now that like maybe aren't even like being heavily used, and they're just waiting for like the right project to come along to like
0: fully take advantage of how good they are.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: And Zero X Minds is just such a rogue, rogue genius in this in this NFT space, man. He is just doing so much incredible, incredible work. Um so I'm pumped to see that this is uh, this is happening on something he's built.
2: He's even got involved in the sense of like he's helping sort of customize the the UI a little bit to some of the needs that we have. So he's very on board with it as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome just seeing everybody like step up and build really cool stuff and jump in and help wherever needed. I can't believe how fast we moved to it was literally like it all happened within, over the course of like 24 hours, like setting up all of this, like pushing it out on Twitter, getting all these trades in. everything happened in like 24 hours. and It was crazy to see. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and dive into the trades. I think. Um, why don't we just go through like chronologically in the order of how the trades were submitted to us? The first trade was actually uh, Maria Palace are working with Trent she submitted a trade before we had even announced like what we were doing. Like, I think she just like found the Twitter and was like, oh, there's like a pseudo swap link for trades. Let me go trade with no idea of like what she was gonna get in return, how this was gonna like, how this was gonna benefit her or anything. And so she submitted a trade for this simulacra. Am I saying that right?
0: <laughs> yeah, simulacra.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, so what is that, Trent? You seem to know what that is.
0: Yeah, it's actually a a pretty cool project. It didn't really take off um, in in the way that I think it should have. I think it had a bonding curve towards like well into the the pushback on bonding curves. And so I think that turned a lot of people off. But basically what the project does is like um, generatively combine like various uh, kind of canonical works of art into then one one new work of art in a way that's like really quite quite fun and visually interesting. Um, So I actually am a very big fan of the the pieces that came out of that collection.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it now and it looks super cool. And for those of you listening to the podcast, we will be showing the pieces of art on the video version. So if you go to YouTube and go to the video version, you'll actually get to see what we're talking about. Um, okay, cool. So that was Maria Paulas. Um, very cool that she just
0: we're on it at JPEG. <laughs>
2: he has faith and she she I feel like she knows when something is good looking like she can sense she can sense it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the second trade we got was from Adam Cochran and he offered his cool cat. Initially he offered one cool cat. It was a cool cat with sunglasses, um, looks pretty cool. And then shortly after, as he saw more trades get sent in, he increased his trade to four cool cats. Most people listening probably know what cool cat is. That's a newer project that's really been blowing up recently. Either of you want to you know, talk a little bit more about the project or the, maybe the, if you know the backstory, I actually don't know the backstory of the project. So if you know that, want to share it, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, do you know what it is, Trent? I, I know I know the, the project, but I I've heard it has like a quite a bit of a backstory. Like the guy who's
0: been working on it has been
2: working on it for many years.
0: I did not know that. I put that in the realm of uh like NFT projects that I just yes, have a hard time no, getting into because I agree. they're fully community based, right? It's like it is it's they're social clubs, right? Which is really fascinating, especially when you look at like the degree to which like uh NFTs in general are putting culture and social connections on chain. Something like Coolcat is this decentralized social network that is linked to kind of anonymous identities. I think it's super, super fascinating. I have a hard time like judging those type of projects because you have to like go into the discord and like hang out for a few hours to figure out, you know, Is Cool Cats going to make it? Um, It's it's just, you know, it's tough. It's tough for me personally. No, totally.
2: I I need to read more about it. But like, I do remember hearing the, uh, like I was the same way with you. Like I had that gut reaction of wondering, is Cool Cats just like another profile picture project of the day? Or is it, but it turns out like the guy apparently has, he's been developing this artwork for like many, many years. And this is like the actual fruition of the whole thing. So it's pretty neat. Like, I think there's a variety of ranges of, like depth to these like community profile picture projects and some of them have a bit more like weight to them than the other ones, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you guys that it's sort of like a it's sort of like a gamble, right? You just have to think like, I don't know, like really what the thought process is like my thought process is like, do I like how this looks? Is it a cute animal that I can get behind? If yes, buy, if no, skip. So it's not a very scientific process at all. I think unlike you, Trent, like, because I don't come from an art background, I don't know how to judge, like, actually valuable art. So for me, I'm almost, like, more into the community and social club aspect of it than the art itself, just because, like, I don't have the knowledge to be able to determine what's good art and what's not.
2: I just love that, like, communities are now forming around, like, even art itself, like, even some of these things that are more artistic, I guess before all these things happened, it was sometimes hard for like an artist to create a, a community around their work. But now like with all these tools and technology that we have, it's, I don't know, I love to see every individual artist now can like make an actual like club for their people, which is, I don't know, it's, I love that, it's great.
1: Yeah, Dave, I was actually gonna get your take on like what you think about this whole like social club movement, because you run community at, um, at Rainbow, right? So that's like your, that's up your alley.
2: yeah it's i don't know like i i think it's interesting because what i what i sort of see like the direction like the internet is moving in is like all of these small micro communities with even to some degree their own economies that can sometimes interact with one another and you can find like the communities that you love and that are right for you i think one of the things people hated about like facebook and these larger things is you were on there with all these other people, and it was a very homogenous place that you couldn't really customize to your needs. Whereas now, like, you know, projects like Blitmap and you know JPEG and you know now Paperclip DAO, you can form like your very own niche community that has like a core sense of values, you know, mission, and it can all be based around artwork too. Like I'm, you know, Trent and I are both in like the Blitmap community, and that's very central and core to the community is the art. Like that's what all brought us together. And now we're, you know, we're friends through that. And like, we're continuing that project and building it out more. So it's all that you can build on top of an artist's work to make something even grander. So that's like really exciting to me.
1: All right, so back to this cool cat, back to Adam Cochran's trade for his four cool cats. Okay, so he went from one cool cat to four cool cats and then it didn't end there. Because then he upped the ante again, and he submitted a a collection of 14 different NFT pieces. I don't know that we need to go through all of this, but uh, do you want to, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, just overall thoughts on what you're thinking about this.
0: It was very badass. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was, and like, and like really, really well Curated. That's something very near and dear to my heart. This this idea of curation and kind of adding additional context to to these works. But I just do think that that Adam did such a, a lovely job. I mean, obviously things like. Uh, I mean I'll just do the very quick run through of like HashMass, like yes, very much kicking off this this bull market. He gets into some of like the archaeological finds like Crypto Art Day, Mooncats, which obviously had like the beautiful Mooncat Rescue initiative, which like I love these moments that crypto Twitter enables of like kind of global coordination. It's so fascinating to watch when some meme happens like that. I mean, obviously I experienced it very firsthand with some of the yam stuff. It was much more fun with the Mooncat <laughs> rescue. Yeah. I mean, hitting up some, some of the innovation, like the Euler beats and even getting into like the unicorn token, which predated, like talk about archeological predated, like the ERC 20 standard. So I just think it was such a a good kind of crash course in where this NFT industry has like come from and like various points along its history. It's yeah, it was really a, a well put together collection.
2: It was a phenomenal collection too. Like it almost felt like too good to part with. Like I, in some ways it was kind of intimidating. I was like, wow, he has taking a lot of time and thought to like curate this whole thing. And You know, I remember like even, you know, even after we made the final trade and uh, like he shared how he was like probably going to put it up for private auction. And I was like, that is like a baller move and that collection is going to sell out. Like we need more of that kind of stuff in this space. Like we need more people to like thoughtfully put together different pieces because like people were people did that in like the physical world and the traditional art world all the time. But we just haven't seen enough of that yet in the NFT space. And we're definitely going to be I feel like along the trading route of paperclip like, as the trades start escalating, I think we're going to see more and more of that curatorial type, like, offers, because people are going to need to, like, think a lot more. I think Adam's initial one was, like, a great signal of, like, this is the kind of offer that you're going to have to be thinking about. You're going to have to be thinking about it with depth if you want to, like, continue to go higher and higher.
1: Yeah. And I think something else, too, that people are going to realize is like, it's not just about the monetary value of the NFT that you're offering up. You know, it's not like, oh, trading. If I trade up my fish pen for, you know, a barbecue grill, like I'm obviously getting ahead because a grill is worth a lot more than a pen sort of thing. Like there's so many valuable NFTs in this world now that you you do need to have the element of narrative and storytelling and curation and, you know, paper clippiness um, as <laughs> this to call it, to make yourself stand out.
2: That was the interesting, like, difference between this project and the original project. Like, the original one back in 2005 was very much based mostly on monetary value, and you know, this one, like, ultimately, we are going for some NFTs that have extremely high monetary value. But the route that we take to get there is going to be really non-traditional. Like, for a variety of reasons. One, like, so many of these NFTs. They have some implied value. There's different levels of like li- liquidity that each one has. Many of the offers we received like, are probably w- way more valuable in some ways than the one we ended up actually going with. But to your point about narrative, we went through so many of the offers and narrowed it down to just a handful. And we chose the two finalists were one NFT that really, really captured the history of NFTs and was a legacy project that is very, you know, very respected and then we also chose another one which was uh, a project that's really new and is still like in development and growing and has been building a community around it and kind of represents like the future of NFTs potentially because it's using one of the most recent NFT standards so we had these two different you know past and future pieces that we were looking at as our final choice and You know, we ended up going with it was a very close vote. Like we voted as a DAO and it was split down the middle for quite some time. And we went back and forth about it. Either one could have easily won. Maybe fate had it. We ended up choosing, you know, the future one uh, went with Parallel. And it'll be interesting to see how that choice affects the subsequent choices.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see how you guys are, are thinking about that, that decision-making process. And like, before we move on from this, this sweet history from Adam, there's also just this element to which, like, again, I do think you guys are going to see more of this type of offer in the future. But like, I think one of the really interesting things about it is like that offer in its totality through the curation and context of like it's self-contained Collection I think ends up being worth more than like any of the individual pieces sold individually, right? There is something about when you put certain objects next to each other cultural objects next to each other, the connections that get formed between them, um, that added context really start to elevate you know, all of the, the pieces in that collection, right? Which is really the, the power that, that curation has as a kind of like really cultural, cultural force. Um, so I love to see that, that kind of thing, thing playing out. It's obviously something JPEG is uh, trying to, to support in the future, so um, yeah, it's super cool.
2: Yeah, it's like the whole idea of, you know, Gestalt theory of, you know, the 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 sum is greater than the, you know, the individual pieces, which I t- his his collection showed that beautifully.
0: Yeah, I mean, we look at curation as a really second order creation, in which yeah, Gestalt is the the perfect word for it. The sum greater than the than the parts. Um, so I just I I think it, this was a really cool moment at which that really shone through for me and which we like haven't seen that much of in this space thus far. I think we're going to see a lot, a lot more of it going forward. Um, yeah. So I'm I, ho- I hope that the
2: pro- like the project continues to like inspire people to think differently about their, like the NFTs, even like, because when people like even some of the people that have offered up things to us, you can tell that they're kind of torn about wanting to part with the thing But you can tell there's also a lot of like hope and potential and what might come of it if they do trade. And I don't know, that dynamic is going to be, it's probably going to get harder and harder as we go along, especially as we make that choice.
0: And the fact that you guys are thinking about it so deeply from the cultural angle, right? It's like, I can't just go and submit a paperclip trade that is my highest value NFT based on like how the market is currently valuing it. Right. This, this degree to which you guys have the ability to foreground the cultural nature of these objects, as opposed to the financial asset nature of them, I think is um, really wonderful and something that, that we haven't, haven't seen that much of yet and is like the future that we must be going towards because like, they're fundamentally cultural objects. Their financial value comes from their cultural value. Like if you only foreground the financial element, you're like missing what is actually important about these things.
2: I think a lot of that credit goes to Matt, like the people that he helped form around this project. Like it's a very diverse group of people who have varying levels of years of experience in the field. Like Diana and I were kind of on the newer side, but we also have people like Matt Condon and all these other folks that have been there a long time. So like that din- dynamic even plays out in like our conversations of like we have these different perspectives and we're weighing all these different. So like it really nicely balances out and I feel like allows us to, at least so far has allowed us to like make some really level headed decisions. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 100%. Like a lot of the stuff you guys just touched upon is like what drew me into the space and like NFTs in particular in the first place is that it is so much more focused around culture than it is just like pump and dump, you know, and like finance and making a quick buck. Like none of that stuff ever appealed to me. And I think that's why it took me so long to get into crypto because for the longest time I was like crypto is just like for finance bros and I don't care. So uh, I have nothing to do with this. But with NFTs, it's like like there is so much history and culture and narrative and storytelling around it. And I think that's something that anybody in the world can relate to and um, is, is super compelling. So yeah, I 100% just echo everything you guys said and totally agree with that. But I want to move on because there's, there's so much to get to. And I know we have so much to say about every single one. The next trade that was submitted was a hash of the paperclip DAO Uniswap V3 NFT and so Hash is Proof of Beauty's I think initial or second project I think the initial was called Genesis and the second one was called Hash maybe or Hash was I should know this we had David Sun the founder of Proof of Beauty on the podcast before yeah so if you want to learn more about the project go listen to episode 32 but it's a super cool project it's actually one of the first NFT projects I heard about when I first got into the space Basically what they do is they take your transaction hash and they do like cool technical stuff with it. And then it generates this like really beautiful piece of art. And so I, I minted a piece um, a while ago of my very first transaction with my MetaMask wallet. And so I have a, an artistic depiction of that, which I'm really proud of. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, and so this was submitted. And then very quickly thereafter, another Proof of Beauty Artwork was submitted, and this was for Beeple's first, uh, first five thousand days or first every days mint on chain. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to get your takes on the project as a whole or these these two trades specifically.
0: This idea of being able to like own a moment and have it like represented in some really interesting way is very fascinating. Um, it kind of somewhat connects to some of the like meme. NFTs that we've seen, whether it's, um, you know, overly attached girlfriend, kind of like all of these things, just this idea that you can start to own this very ephemeral thing, whether it's a moment in time or like a piece of culture that's like connected to a certain feeling. And I think both like really are about capturing this idea of like owning a a certain feeling. Uh, And I think that's an incredible thing that you can only really get in like this kind of nft world right um it's quite quite fascinating
2: yeah the the other thing i love about proof of beauty in particular is like like what diana said about she minted her first transaction like those kind of moments are it's like milestones throughout all, all throughout history like you know cultures had practices of you know setting up you know statues or objects or piles of rocks to like mark a moment in their culture's history and i love that nfts now are kind of enabling us to do that on a digital scale now like we the internet kind of has had some of that to some degree but i don't feel like the the internet has had it to 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 what we have now and i think it's like i've minted nfts myself that were not for sale like they were purely me minting them because it was marking a moment in like my history And I'm going to keep doing that. Like I, you know, I intend to like pretty much every major milestone in my life, hopefully create something that will like serve as a digital representation of that. And I also think it's cool, like how that can facilitate like social interactions too. like friends and family and relationships. You can start like having things that will like tie you together on chain, but also like serve as ongoing reminders forever of like what what took place here
0: that's beautiful yeah
1: now i want to go mint now i want to go mint my receiving my first clip tokens as a proof of beauty i think that's going to be my next proof of beauty All right. So the next one we got, we actually had several trades for Mooncats. And I know we already referenced it earlier, Um, but Mooncats, this was like sort of an OG project. I think it's been around for a while where you have all these cats that are trapped and then you got to go rescue them. Can you guys talk a little bit more about what this project was for people who are newer to the space and didn't get the whole history of Mooncats?
2: Yeah. So the project was one of the earliest NFTs on Ethereum. It was um, back in 2017. Right. It's sort of like in between when CryptoPunks launched and when CryptoKitties launched. And it was, you know, on-chain artwork that was generated, you know, based off of on-chain data, all these different little pixelated cat images. And there was a website you could go to that had like this spinning moon and you could use your computer's uh, computing power to essentially generate, I guess, generate hashes or something to to, to find a, a cat that was on this moon and you could choose to rescue it. There were lots of them there. I think there were technically like billions of possible cats that could have been generated, but they, the project set out to only be able to rescue like 24,000 of them or something. Um, it was back in 2017 when no one was, or not as many people were into NFTs. And so it didn't ever go anywhere really. Um, I think maybe 3000 cats got rescued of the 24,000 and, and then it kind of fell asleep for several years until March of this year when some somebody was digging up dirt. No, not digging up dirt, but like digging up, just digging up old projects that were in the space. And someone came across Mooncats and the website was broken, but people figured out how to go on to, you know, Etherscan and find the contract. And I think within a two hours of it being resurfaced, all the rest of the cats got rescued. Um, I rescued several of them myself when that happened. Um, it was like my first big NFT moment was like rescuing those moon cats. Um, and then from there, like a, a community came up around them. The The original developers came back and has started rebooting, like revamping the project and making it even better. And um, yes, yeah, so it was just a cool piece of like, I think people referred to it as like archaeo- like on-chain archaeology or whatever at the time. And even since then, more projects like that have been discovered. Almost I feel like every month a new one kind of gets rediscovered. So it's really fun.
0: Yeah. Those moments in which like Twitter just unites around a single thing. So sick. It's always so fun to be online for some of those things. And uh, when you miss being online for something like that, and then you have to deal with it for like the next 48 hours, people talking about how much fun rescuing the moon cats was. I was there and I rescued of like two dozen moon cats or something. But, um, I can imagine having missed that and then being like, what, what, what is this? Um, so like, I, you know, that part of this culture is just like, so, so hilarious, um, and, and fun, you know, I think like the whole archeological thing is really fascinating from like the kind of cultural value perspective as we continue to go forward. And like, as we now proliferate in the number of NFTs, right? Like, so those random little projects, like there's also like the, the pet rock project now that like, they're selling for like over a hundred K on like, probably like 10 of the volume or something like it, it's, it's quite silly. Like those projects are valuable, culturally valuable, like simply because of the time at which they were minted things being minted now. Right. They're not going to have that in the same way. Um, maybe to some degree they'll still get a little bit of that but like how do we think about how these these things being minted now are going to maintain financial and cultural value in the long term um i think is is a really interesting interesting question um to to kind of ponder and 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 work around
2: yeah i almost wonder if like we'll look back on this era like 10 years from now and we won't maybe maybe one of these profile picture like projects will stand out, but like I feel like people I bet at some point we'll have like ten years from now we'll have curations of all these different types of profile picture projects as like a fun, like nostalgic look back at this era, which in it in itself will be kind of like a cultural artifact of all these things together.
0: And they'll do it on JPEG, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there right. you go. There you go. All right, so this next one, um, I'm gonna need your help with. I'm not very familiar with this. This is we got a trade for Folias Kudzu Virus, which is an NFT project by Billy Renekamp. He's one of the NFT OGs. Are either of you familiar with this one? Can talk about it.
0: I'm a little bit. I mean, like first off, like everything Folia does is phenomenal. I think they are like one of the most innovative and fascinating organizations in the, in the space that just work with incredible artists that are pushing the bounds of like aesthetics, smart contract functionality, like everything they they put out, I think is, is just really, really fantastic. And folia or sorry, um, the, this virus NFT is one of the, um, really fun ones in which it never leaves your wallet. Like the NFT is, non-transferable. But what it does instead, if you want to send it to someone, it replicates itself. And so then you've essentially infected another another wallet that can never get rid of that NFT. Um, it lives there forever and like can then go infect infect others, which I think is hilarious. I mean beautiful concept. I love this. This was a great, great submission.
2: Yeah and actually that that particular project is, is one of the ones I kind of use when I'm onboarding new people. Like, when I get my friends to like download rainbow or whatever, one of the first things I do is like, I'll send them that virus to infect their wallet. Hell <laughs> so yeah! It just shows people like, I don't know, an interesting side of the space and gets their curiosity peaked.
1: Yeah, it's such a creative idea. I, I really like that, it's so much fun. Now I'm kind of hoping that somebody will infect me because-
2: <laughs> Drop, it, you gotta wanna... drop your wallet for us. We'll, we can
0: yeah. infect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can definitely infect you. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, yes. Infect me. Give me the virus. <laughs> all right, this next one that we have is, uh, so we're going back to the OGs. We got a non-fungible Pepe. I think everybody listening knows about Pepe's. Does anybody here know like the full history of Pepe's? Trent? Maybe? Uh,
0: all I know is that like Matt Theory created the meme, and then like it got co-opted in insane ways for a long time long time Um, and you know still to this to this day you see it all around you know anonymous message boards you see it all around crypto twitter and Andrew Kang is my favorite uh rare Pepe of like the the little little monster boy Pepe with the crazy hair and the monster energy that really kind of epitomized DeFi summer for a lot of us uh But yeah, then I think a lot of the guys from like Barnyard and got a bunch of artists together, um, Tyler Ward and and friends to do this, this uh, non-fungible, non-fungible Pepe's kind of like right at the kind of inflection point of when the PFP profile projects were, were really kicking off earlier this, uh, this spring.
1: And that was one of our finalists that we were debating Uh, about making the trade with and the Pepe was sort of like the NFT that represented the past. And then we had the parallel universe was like the one that represented the future. And so uh, Pepe was definitely up there. I mean, Pepe's are, what's the floor for Pepe's now? I don't even know. It's gotta be like, it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was definitely one of the more valuable ones we got.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, cool. This next project, uh, I just want to be conscious of time. This is the title open edition by Puck who is, you know, an NFT artist that is, I think he's anonymous, right? We don't know who he yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Maybe he's Satoshi. Who knows? <laughs> Trent, do you know anything about like the, the history of this?
0: Oh yeah. This was the piece that like convinced me that NFTs were going to be super, super sick. Um, I think, it you know, coming from an art historical background, like I had been looking for things more on the conceptual level. And the title drop is essentially this series of NFTs that all point to a single IPFS image. So everyone is owning the exact same thing. Pac did the drop with multiple price points, limited edition, open edition, like gifting, just made... The artwork really the kind of auction drop conceptual in terms of like everyone owning the same thing. The price is really kind of part of the the work. Very similar to like uh, Yves Klein's Epoch Blue in you know the sixties. Um, and so yeah, I mean, really a, a fantastic conceptual conceptual uh, piece here.
2: That's cool. I didn't know that about it. I've I I caught only the tailwind of it when I first started getting into the space and I missed that. Wow, it's cool.
0: Yeah. Everybody owns the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. Um, and that so, yeah, it was the first time I have been like, oh, there's some conceptual, some really cool conceptual stuff going on here. I wonder what else we can do. And like, you know, again, things like Foley are really pushing that. Um, yeah, it's fun.
1: Super cool. Super cool. This next project I have been following since it came out. This is the Ethereum film. And I think this one is really cool because what the team did basically was they designed an NFT, sold the NFT in order to fund production of this Ethereum film. And um, this is the Ethereum film, Infinite Garden Bloom NFT designed by People Pleaser. Anything more you can tell us, Trent or Dames? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that was it's, you know, the first like real film to document, you know, Ethereum. I think it's beautiful that they decided to, you know, crowdfund it from the community so that everyone could like actually be involved with it on numerous levels. And a lot of the NFTs they sold from it, you know, would give people, uh, you know, credit, you know, executive producer credit, producer credits on the film. And it's really cool that like, you know, People Pleaser was the artist for it, too, because she's just like the the most well-known artist in this space, pretty much. And the clout that she carries is is huge. And that that piece when when it was offered up for trade, like that's one of those that it has weight to it because of like the the first like Ethereum film that's going to be made, but also People Pleaser. So like that was a those are some strong cases for it as well.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I love that one. That was one of my top votes for sure when we were getting to the end of it. Uh, Super, super cool. The next one we have is Astro Cryptids. This is a project where there's this little Astro Cryptid that transmits beams of code. Um, can you guys tell us a little bit more of this and and this, we got seven trades or we got trades for seven different astro cryptids. And there's also one in our wallet. Where did (laughs) did that come from? Yeah. Does anybody know?
2: I can speak to that. Um, astro cryptids is like, it's a relatively newer project from, I think, March of this year by a younger university student. I feel like I, I, I believe I'm correct on that, she created this project that has a, like a tracery bot that helps generate the art, but it also has a Twitter bot that is sending out these star codes on a like a daily basis, and those star codes paired with the tracery bot and then her actual like uh, guiding hand create tons of these astro cryptids. And it's a relatively new project that is still like taking off right now. Um, but I got in really early on it because like the art really captivated me, the story that she started building around it. I've kind of taking it upon myself to like create my own sort of like stories around it too. Like I, I've sort of formulated this concept that astrocryptids uh, bring good luck to the wallets that they are in and they sort of help protect it. And so when Matt had me join, you know, he knew this about me and the, and the project. And so he asked me to send one to the, to the DAO wallet to act as like the guardian of the wallet. So that was a fun, like little, just playful thing that we did to like kick off the project.
0: That's so fun. i had seen this pop up once or twice, but I haven't actually investigated. I'm very intrigued. Um, and I love this little lore of like, it's your little wallet. It's your little wallet sprite protector. I, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want a little wallet. Good luck charm. I'm going to go get one. <laughs> <Exactly. so> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Great idea.
1: Wait, so Dame, do you know where the Astro Cryptid in our wallet came from?
2: Yeah, I sent it. It was one of mine. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the ones I had, I had, uh, I had rescued, I forget a couple months ago and yeah.
1: Got to get a protector of the wallet. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So this next one we have is an art blocks and this is a project that has just been blowing up recently. Um, I still have not been able to get one, which I I I need a fix, but it yeah. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more. I mean, this is like sort of a, it's project. It's a project that's sort of similar to Proof of Beauty in a way, right? And so if I'm not mistaken.
2: Trent, do you know much about it? I actually don't. Uh,
0: this particular Renesita, I do not know much about. Artblocks in general is obviously known for their generative artworks um, with, yeah, in some ways uh, similar to uh, proof of beauty and that they're their generative works the the seed function is not necessarily this like uh, transaction hash I don't know exactly like what the specific seed is uh, but in general, they're all kind of like fully recreatable uh, on chains. The code is 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 stored there, so if you input the same seed again, then you'll be able to, to reproduce the piece. Um, and these have yeah obviously been going going nuts. Um, there's also been some really great articles on art blocks recently in terms of I'm trying to remember one is uh, like stories of an generative art addict which was a really great kind of like personal account there was another that was um kind of about long form generative arts can maybe like include those somewhere in like notes or something because they're they're great reads and i love to see people starting to kind of write more content thinking thinking hard about these uh, these types of pieces so yeah
1: very cool thanks trent The next trade that came through, this is one of my favorites, and I think everybody on the team really liked this one. Jonathan Mann, who on Twitter is called A Song A Day. He writes a new song every day. He wrote us a paperclip song all about the history of the paperclip. And you guys just have to go and listen to this when you have a chance. He posted it on his Twitter, so you can just go there and and look for it. I was just blown away. Like, I'm blown away by people who can do stuff like this, you know, like just crank out a song in like less than 24 hours and make it sound good and make it entertaining at the same time. And he had to have done some research, like a a lot of research on this song because he gave the full history of the paperclip, which I don't think anyone just knows the history of the paperclip off the top of their head. I remember,
2: I think it was at one point the day before, or like within the 24 hour window that we had for submissions, he tweeted at our account and said something like, how long do I have? And, Cause he literally would just like within that 24 hour window wrote and created that song and recorded it. And he is, I don't know, he's a legend. I, I forget like Beeples work of how many thousands of days of him making a piece of day. Like I have no doubt that like Jonathan's work of making, I think he's like up to 3000 selling songs now. It's like 3000 days. I can't imagine doing anything for that long. Huge respect to him. And I don't know. I was blown away by that.
1: Yeah. Other than like brushing my teeth, I don't think I've done anything for three thousand days in a row.
0: I can't even do that three thousand yeah, days. Yeah, no, I literally don't know if I can even say that. Um, <laughs> I've surely missed a day in there. Uh, I yeah, need a proof
2: I'm of sure. participation for brushing my teeth. <laughs> yeah.
1: Get a get a teeth brushing poop. Oh my god. Oh, okay, very cool. So yeah, that was one of my favorites. The next one we got this this symmetrical clover. And I know that this, this Clover was like a, an OG project. So, anybody who is in the NFT space from the beginning, you probably know what this is. For everybody else, you probably have never heard of it. I don't know that any of us really knows the project that well, but. Does anybody, Trent or Dame, want to give a stab at it?
2: Okay. It, was, it was cool though. I went to the website and it does look really interesting. I, um, I've been, I want to, now that I've discovered it through this project, I am definitely going to investigate it. Cause I have a, I have a taste for like the older kind of things. So, um, definitely worth linking to it though in the description, I bet.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So all I know is there were only 55 of these ever, um, and it's got it's symmetrical in both diagonals x and y axes that's all i got
0: yeah i think it's going to be interesting if like you start to get a lot more historical pieces submitted here like particularly in that like like 2018 to 2019 time frame because like the 2017s get a bunch of attention everyone's kind of familiar with like uh you know a lot of the the 2021 2020 type stuff but like that in-between time period seems like it's like really under under underappreciated underrepresented and I bet some things start to start to surface even on
2: the uh the moon cats project like most of the cats were rescued in either 2017 or 2021 and there were only I think there's only two cats rescued in 2019 which makes those two cats like the rarest of the entire project, just because they were the only ones rescued that year. So, I love lo- little things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting facts. I didn't even know that. Uh the next trade that came through was a pudgy penguin and then which I love that I love is those my too. profile pic. They're so, cute. They're so cute. And now there's so many versions of them. There's the party penguin, there's the fast food penguin.
2: I think all of my Twitter DMs right now are just people with penguins. Cuz I have a hard <laughs> time I have a hard time remembering who's who.
1: <laughs> you got to remember me by my outfit. <laughs> So we, we got a, we got a punchy penguin, we got a me bit, we got a board ape. Uh, let's just breeze through those since we've already talked about these NFT avatar PFP projects. The next one that came through was uh, this is actually really interesting. So this trade included all three NFT standards: an ERC twenty, an ERC seven twenty one, and an ERC eleven fifty five. And the ERC twenty was an Xmon, ERC seven twenty one was an Art box, and the ERC eleven fifty five was a parallel. Well, we've already talked about art blocks and then parallel. So I guess we should talk about that. So either Dame or Trent, do you know the the history behind it or give us a little bit more information about yeah, the
2: project? I, I don't know the full history of it, but I do know that like it. some of the people work, it's a, it's basically a sci-fi digital card game that uses NFTs. Every card is an NFT and it's, it's in development right now With I think the beta launching next year. And so a lot of these initial like card drops they're doing, help fund the game and get people like start building the community. Now Uh, I know some of the people that are on the team have worked at like major, you know, card game studios, like behind magic, the gathering, stuff like that, I believe. Um, So they have lots of years of industry experience. And now I feel like there's some projects that have attempted in the past, but like this feels like the, like the first like really legit card game that is going to occur on the blockchain and like, and really have widespread adoption. Um, so like that's, that kind of, that kind of like, I guess encapsulates it in a nutshell, but apparently the, the cards use the new ERC one, one, five, five NFT standard. So that set that we were offered sort of gave like a nice sort of snapshot of like the history of NFTs in this small, tiny little collection. And we almost, we did consider accepting that offer just because of how simple and beautiful it was.
0: Um, so yeah. Yeah. And again, like from a tech perspective, just like very cool thing. Zero X moms, like well done to, to build um, this, this technology. I think it's so, it's so fun. Uh, And then, yeah, with parallel, I mean, Palmer who, submitted the, the big parallel has been trying to parallel pill the community for like months now. So it's cool. It's, it, he's, he's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Um, and it's just, it is really interesting how some of this NFT stuff is like basically fundraising and building community, like in order to kind of collaboratively create a thing I think that's, that's really a, an interesting, interesting potential of the NFT space. I also
2: love the parallel one in particular, because in terms of like the future of NFTs, I do think that like a lot of mainstream adoption is probably going to come in the form of games and things like that. So I feel like a card game has the potential of bringing in a lot of people that have never used NFTs before. So like it'll be interesting to see what impact that has.
1: A hundred percent. I also just like seeing NFT use cases that go beyond just collecting art. Right. So even with like the profile pics, like I'm a big fan of those because it gives you this, Uh uh, this like extra element of like identity. Like now Uh I identify as a penguin.
2: Yeah. It's like changing clothes online. It's like you have these different outfits. I love that.
1: It's digital fashion. It's identity. It's all of these different things other than just collecting art, which is like, like I, I was never in a collectibles in the traditional world. And so it was a little hard for me to wrap my mind around these digital collectibles. But once you add in the elements of identity, of community, of the, all these social components, then I was like, yes, I can really get behind this. And then now it's like using NFTs and gaming um, and, and, you know, doing different things with NFTs. I, I really like seeing all of that. And then, so I guess we should talk about the parallel piece that actually won. This is one of the, the, uh, earthen pieces, one of five that was given out to some of the original supporters of Parallel. This is the one that Palmer offered up, and I, I this is really cool because I I have I never heard about Parallel before we got this trade in, and then I started investigating, and I was like, this is super cool. But yeah, anything else to add about like the the earthen one that? Yeah, I think
2: it's just uh, you know. It was uh, one of the original cards uh, they ever made. It was like a, it was basically concept art, like early concept art for the game. Um, so, you know, it already has like a pretty strong value right now amongst the community. It'll be really interesting to see like if the game really takes off and goes someplace. Uh, I'm sure that like, you know, just like Magic the Gathering, how those early, early cards are now selling for so much money. Um, I fully expect that if the game actually gets gets its roots and takes off, like that card will probably be worth a lot of money one day.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um and then I realized I'd skipped one. This was a trade that we got. It was we were given a choice actually between either a rare one of twenty seven X copy piece from an obscure NFT project from back in twenty eighteen or a Zero X Mons named Maznov <laughs> and their unique sound. Do you yeah? I don't know
0: anything
1: do about uh, that one. I, I don't either. Trent, do you know anything?
0: Obviously, X Copy is like one of the OGs, and I think probably my like particular favorite of the OGs. I mean, like the frenetic style is just so kind of emblematic of this space. Uh, the really the really powerful, beautiful pieces. Um, so I'm I'm a huge huge X Copy fan. Um, and then Zero X X-Mon's also again. Rogue Genius, he's doing just the coolest stuff in this space, building protocols, doing drops. Um, He collaborated with us on uh, our gift shop with JPEG, which was the the salt collection that was this piece that, uh, you know, The title and the image rotate through each NFT on a daily basis. So, like, if you own one of the NFTs, you really own the entire collection depending on the day. Um, So, I think he's just so innovative. This was his really kind of first big NFT project, the GAN Monsters, in which he, you know, did this. GAN generated uh, something neural network, whatever you hear a lot about it. Um, and he actually allowed for it to be put on chain. So it's like, it's combining this, this GAN artwork that that people love with some on chain elements to it, um, using GPT three to create backstories and names for all of the, the, the creations. Uh, so I think it's a, and I think he was actually the first one to do anything GAN related on chain. So really like, sweet sweet collection
1: that's awesome i i didn't know any of that maybe we should have done more research dame before uh there's just yeah. so much
2: depth to this stuff like you can keep going down and down and down and discover something new constantly it's so fun
1: a hundred percent a hundred percent well thank you so much for going through all of these with me i learned so many new things from this Same. conversation. Thanks, Trent, the art historian here, and yes. the NFT historian. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Any final thoughts from either of you about just, like, this project or the space as a whole, Any anything you want to share?
0: I love the, the concept. I find it so interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this type of thing. It's a really interesting model of the collector DAO that we haven't seen before, like this idea that you don't have to, like, you know, put a bunch of money into to get this, you can kind of, um, you know, just start to trade to build the community and the, and the treasury. I think it's um, a very cool, innovative, innovative model. I'm curious to see kind of where it, where it goes in the, the long term. Um, so hats off to you guys for doing that. Um, definitely appreciate you having me on and getting to, to jam on all of these fun submissions. Uh, I'm very excited to see how the project progresses.
1: Thanks, Trent.
2: Yeah, likewise. I'm glad to be here and talk with you all about it. Uh, I think even trading is kind of a form of curation because at the end of all this, like to Trent's project JPEG, like at the end of this, we're kind of kind of have a curation. Like all the all the tokens that we traded will be kind of like a collection spread amongst all the people that
1: participated. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I know this is like a last minute get together. So I really appreciate you making the time. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Hope you learned a lot about NFTs and uh, heard about some new NFT projects to go check out and go down the rabbit hole on. And we will be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening.